Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode is discussing three thrillers from 1988. Kiss, well, The Kiss, I should say. I want to be technical for all you fucking nerds out there. I don't want anybody to type up, will you forget the the, and uh, shoot the kill. I don't know why you're insulting our biggest audience of people who are really upset whenever you say uh, Frankenstein and not Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> Why are you insulting these people? They will attack us with everything they've got. I play. I, I, I put out fires with gasoline. That's what I do. Uh, <laughs> shoot to kill, aka Deadly Pursuit, and Jack's back. And uh, this one's really different in structure for us because we usually try to pick two movies that are similar. This is kind of all over the place. I get it. It's a yeah. It's it's a little little scattershot. Yeah, but I, it's it's the three that I found on YouTube, and I figured, well, I don't own the rights to any of these. Oops, I'm going to prison for admitting that. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of these actually has never even hit DVD, so I don't give a shit about that. Um, but I just figured that's the best way to do it. Let me go back to what I have in my account, because I got some crazy ones coming up. Some classics, kids. Pumpkinhead, Child's it, Play. Yay. Oh, nice. But it's also good to just kind of recommend movies that anyone can see. Yeah, that that is a, a hard part for me. I was like, "Yay, hey, everybody, pony up fourteen ninety nine like I did for this movie." No, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I want to start off with the one that I kind of regret, and it, it's it's entertaining, but it's also really fucking stupid. Is the kiss? <laughs> okay, I, I, when you said there was one you regretted, I was like, "It better be the kiss." I... <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I thought. I saw this as a teenager, and I thought it was so good. And uh, I revisited it, and I just kept going, oh, the choice is made. That makes no <laughs> sense. Okay, first of all, <laughs> if your friend is dying, <laughs> being strangulated on an elevator or an escalator, <laughs> don't spend five minutes putting your hair behind your ears over and over and looking, oh, hello, help anyone yeah. <laughs> her face is being ripped off hello seriously take a drink every time she puts her hair behind her ear in a very dramatic situation where nobody would do this and uh nobody's you... reacting to what's happening either that was the weird part. yeah it was uh, like there was nobody there what i do find interesting about this movie though is it kind of sets up little things that you would see later in final destination like, oh, uh, explain. I... Well, there's the two sequences where she's kind of using her voodoo powers to cause accidents. And it's as if the guys who had done Final Destination had seen this when they were younger and like, you know, we could do a hell of a lot better version of this. Let me, let me ask, when you were young, like how young were you when you watched this? I want to say 15. I saw it on television. Like, Okay, that, that makes sense. It was, the, it was the sexiness of the movie that I think you mm. enjoyed. Well, it was also the fact that I was... <laughs> I mean, we talked about this before. The first year of horror movies for me, I have nostalgia for because I was finally allowed to watch them. And mind you, most of them were on television and edited. But that's, I have fond memories for some of them, and a lot of them are shit. They just are. Some of them are classics like Return of the Living Dead. So, hey, what are you going to do? It happens. Yeah. Uh, this one is, it also, like the year before this, have you ever seen a movie called The Hidden? I don't think so. It's a cop uh, sci-fi horror film where this creature uh, jumps from body to body. It, it, it uses up its resources, and once it does, it has to jump to another body, and these two guys are after it. One's a space cop, and the other one isn't. It's really, really a, a cult classic. It's good. Um, the only reason we haven't done it on this show is because I did it years ago on Video Night, and it takes elements of that, too, where it's a creature that uses up a body's resources, and it has to jump to a younger body. And... 
Okay, so first of all, its mythos, what it's trying to build with the creature, is really wonky because part of it is a voodoo movie, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's really interesting. And I thought that it, the creature was going to... It was like a soul kind of thing where it was just like spiritual transfer. You know, that is more in line with voodoo, not whatever the fuck that worm bat creature thing was. No, I'm talking about the beast that comes out of Joanna Pakula's mouth into uh, Meredith Salinger's. That thing that yeah. you know comes out of whatever. Now, how is it that creature also knows how to you know control like this crazy cat? Was that cat also an alien creature or whatever the fuck it was? A yeah, demon? I don't know. Yeah, that it just really didn't explain what was that. But like, usually in a in a voodoo type movie, um, the the person who's kind of controlling the puppet strings has kind of like their own bodyguard or something like that. And in this version, I guess it's a it's a feral house cat. I don't know how else to explain what it looks like. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, it's just a really big house cat. Is what it looks yeah, like. but it's also like shooting venom out of its mouth, and it's yeah. it's a it's a hand puppet. I mean, for sure, it's like two people controlling one, the, controlling the wriggling body, and the other one controlling the snapping head. Yeah, uh, it, and where does it go? I, I I never understood. It runs away. Where to? Yeah, and is there a creature inside that cat? How is I mean, is this creature from? Uh, is it a hell cat? There, there is literally no explanation of its origin. You just get the, 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 the opening story where it's like in the 1940s or something, maybe like South Africa, I believe it was, and it shows the first transfer, but it's really vague, so you don't know what's going on. And other than that, there is nothing leading up to it, and there's no real explanation afterwards. But ignoring all of that, this movie's so fucking incompetent in setting up realistic scenes uh, <laughs> of fear, logical behavior during those moments of fear, and just giving a shit about any of the characters whatsoever. It is such a goddamn fumble. It kind of does... It, it's very repetitive. Like, a lot of the movie is the the main character's sort of domestic life of like, oh, my mom is dead. And why are you so calm about this? And it's like, I'm not calm about this. I love you. And it's like, we have that scene like five or six times. Yeah. Or just oh. anything when they're trying to get away from something or try to solve something, it feels like it takes forever. How long? How, okay, how long does it take to get out of a fucking pool? And yes, why was oh she struggling God. so hard? There's a ladder right there. <laughs> <laughs> She's supposed to be like a professional swimmer, and like the first thing you learn is how to pop out of the pool. <laughs> right? Do it on your own. She's not injured. She is not injured at no point. Maybe she gets roughed up a little bit, but at some point you have to be going. Hey, I can't get you out of this pool. Put your hand to the left. You see that fucking ladder? <laughs> Climb up the goddamn thing. That's what just kept driving me nuts. And and how it burned? The creature burned with an exploding gas tank, but it was in water, so I don't understand how that really works. But uh. I mean, I mean, they did it in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's true. But the water, uh, well, the water source was wasn't that above water because he had a flame torch going down onto a person. This was like. Wasn't the tank of gas stuff in the water itself? No, it was on the side of the... Was oh, it? wait. No, it did fall in, didn't it? Yeah, because for a while it's oh, on the shit, side, and that. then it falls over, and I'm just like, eh, whatever. Yeah, it's... It is a little weird. I thought, you know what's funny is, like, we're talking about all this, like, technical stuff, but, like, the thing that I thought was weird is that the, the dad hit the, his daughter, and no one talked about it 
after that. I yeah. thought that would be like a big thing, but like no one really gave a shit. I love my wife so much. Five seconds later, oh, I'm going to have sex with her sister. No distance yeah. whatsoever and no problems. <laughs> like he doesn't feel guilt at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, he's so generic. I, they couldn't have got some character actor who had experience. I don't know who the fuck this guy was, but he just looks like he was, you know, oh, I've done four commercials. Leading role. I mean, I mean like, what what did, what did the writers give him to work with? He's got no character. Yeah, that, maybe that's why they couldn't get a good actor. Um, I do want to bring up that her pretend, potential boyfriend, along with the, uh, the long hair and uh, the earring that kept falling out, um, mm -hmm. is a really famous director right now. He is, in fact, going to be directing Deadpool 3. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that was another thing, too his earring fell out inside of her cake in the opening and she licked it off for him that was disgusting that was like some weird porno kinky like oh is this the thing you're into <laughs> uh yeah it's not a good movie but if you're interested <laughs> it's a it's a slice of 1988 cheese for sure and it was on youtube um the only way you could see it though which, this is the best way you could see it though honestly with the joe bob briggs version yeah, I mean it's it's free. You got nothing to waste but your time. So yeah, if you're sick and you got time to kill, go for it. And uh, our second film is Jack's Back with James Spader, and it's uh it, it's slightly out of reality because he seems to have some sort of psychic connection to his brother. But in uh, I should say, but uh, James Spader plays. Mm, God, fuck spoilers, spoilers, everybody. Uh, <laughs> twins. And at first, I thought I fucking jumped somewhere in the movie or I lost where I was because you spend a half an hour with one brother, something happens, and then you spend the rest of the movie with the other brother. And I don't know anybody out there who's known for playing fucking nerds, but also like these cool as shit, slick badasses than and, James Spader. And, uh, and sexy uh, dad energy like in Crash. Yes, yeah. Oh, and, and I'm gonna say right now, I think James Spader's fucking hot in this. Oh, he's 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 a, a beautiful, gorgeous man. He's got yeah. those bedroom eyes, man. And uh, it's it's mostly a mystery movie with slight horror elements. They they believe that someone is replicating the Jack the Ripper murders uh, from a hundred years prior, and because of his psychic connection to his brother, he has information he should not have. So it makes him look like the killer. And then he basically is just trying to solve the murder before the cops finally arrest him for something that he didn't do. I thought it was a real subtle, lower level, but quality uh, thriller. It was fine. I think the problem that I had was I kind of, I, I must have tuned out in, in the, after the good brother, quote unquote, good brother is killed and we see what happens. I think something happened in my brain because I was so confused as to what was happening. I thought that uh, the the other brother we're following was was him the whole time. Like I thought he had split personalities. You know what? Or it was like a Doctor Jackal, Mister Hyde situation. Right. I was watching that with someone else, and that's what they thought too. They were like, "Wait, is is this a split personality thing, or he doesn't know that he's the killer?" And I was like, "Yeah, what? no." Uh, but I can see if you look away for five minutes, you can miss that. Yeah, I think I must have got up for a couple minutes because, like, they, I, it must have been addressed and then never brought up again because it took me halfway through the movie to realize, oh, he has like a slight scar over his eye, so this is a different guy. Yeah, um, what I find interesting about this is it's I believe the first production from Rowdy Harrington, and now most people don't know who he is because he had only one minor hit called Roadhouse. Um, 
But I look at Joel Silver and his first like dozen years of making movies, he was always tapping horror directors and getting them into big action films. Uh, he got John McTiernan from Nomads and did Predator. Uh, Rennie Harlan from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4 to do Die Hard 2. Stephen Norrington, not St Stephen Norrington, whatever, the guy that did The Fifth, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, he, he got him to do Predator 2, and he just kept doing this, like finding these stylish uh, horror directors and then taking him over to the action genre. I think he was pretty successful. Yeah, and this is more of a, a independent tiny production. It got picked up by Paramount, so it is available on Blu-ray from Shout Factory. Um, if you're interested in uh, picking that one up, yeah, it, it's decent. I feel like we've kind of seen this uh, similar story about a man who's accused of a murder that has to solve it before the police show up. Um, so you've seen this plot dozens of times by now, but it, it's it's not a bad movie. Just definitely pay attention in the first act because. The information is going to come at you pretty fast. Yeah, and I was actually kind of surprised by how well James Spader handled the action sequences, what few there are. I almost wonder if he had taken martial arts before this or they trained him because there's moves in this. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm shocked that looked convincing. You know what's weird about it? Maybe it's not weird. Maybe I'm totally right about this. I get the vibe that James Spader is a violent person. You know, you know. So, well, we've discovered over the last <laughs> dozen years that sometimes these people aren't acting. <laughs> James yeah. Woods really is an asshole. That's why he's so good at it. <laughs> Kevin Spacey. So maybe, maybe there's. Well, John Cusack has that. Um, he uh, he always seemed like for years like a silly guy, but the whole time he was like you know trying to you know learn kickboxing, and then you would slowly see that in his movies. I just watched Gross Point Blank. And there's a thing in his eyes where he's just fucking cold blood, and you're like, oh, there's the goofy guy. It's all gone now. Yeah, in the past like ten years, I could definitely see that. In him. Yeah, um, I, I want to see uh, John Cusack in a John Wick flick. It just the guy's still fit. He still does martial arts. I think that'd be kind of cool. I mean, we did. We basically just did John Wick with uh, Bob Odenkirk. I mean, why not? Yeah. Um, and our third and final film is my favorite of the bunch, and actually, yes, I'm a huge. Too. It's, I'm a huge fan of this one, and it's kind of been forgotten over the years because Disney kind of abandoned their whole line of non-Disney uh, productions, unless it was huge, like you know Con Air or Armageddon or something like that. Um, but Shoot to Kill is really early on in their sophisticated line of uh, movies from Touchstone Pictures. Uh, it was Sidney Poitier's first movie in, I believe, a decade, and sadly uh, passed not that long ago. Also, it was when Tom Berenger was a, a reliable lead. And I think this combines elements of uh, kind of like the serial killer movie mixed with high adventure and buddy cop elements. And I, it's so fucking entertaining to me. Yeah, the, the first act is it's still incredibly impressive. I, I am a huge fan of the perfect crime type movie where like anything you can possibly think of, this guy, the, the, the villain, the killer, whoever, is, already knows you're going to do that and already has contingencies. Yeah. That, like, that's always compelling to me. And, and his, his crimes were unusual is because he doesn't, he doesn't go to the location so much to get the stuff. He manipulates other people uh, in, in to do the crime for him or help him in the crime. And this one, it's a diamond heist. And I guess he's had a history of this. Uh, this kind of behavior so they're already aware of him but they don't know what he looks like they don't know what he particularly sounds like because he has a way of covering up his voice you and, never uh, is Clarence Brown right yeah, Clancy Brown but his voice is just so perfect yeah 
And what I love, though, is that you have a murderer's row of character actors in the 80s later um, in this hiking thing, this buddy, you know, hey, we have escaped from the city or whatever. Let's act like men. And (laughs) they're all the kind of guys where you could believe one of them is a killer. But who? Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of them have played uh, killers before. Yeah, especially... uh, um, Fuck, he was in Hellraiser and Dirty Hair. I can't remember his name. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, But what I found interesting is they could have had a slow, uh, like a 10 little Indians one by one knockoff throughout the movie. So they have that going on in their story while the two main heroes are tracking them. But no, they had the fucking balls to kill all of them at once. I was like shocked. Yeah, that was, yeah, I was surprised. I I was just kind of like skipping through a little bit because the pacing at the midpoint it was kind of lagging so then I just kind of like did a little skip forward here and there and then all of a sudden all the hikers are gone like wait what just happened and I had to go back to like wow they did this did it like that like it was nothing yeah and then it becomes a survival film yes. uh, the elements are so brutal and they have to keep pushing forward and I, I love the energy between Tom Berenger and Sidney Poitier because Tom Berenger is not going to stop no matter what and he doesn't want Sidney Poitier slowing him down because he's inexperienced he's older and but he refuses to back down and and he has to he has to slow down or whatever to keep him alive and i thought that was an interesting element too but there is little flecks of humor in there too i thought the moose thing was really funny that one was great yeah that was unexpected and then uh, by the last third of it it is a full-on like hot pursuit uh a crime thriller uh where they're you know trying to hunt him down and there's some stuff in it that happens that i did not expect and um, I really think that boat finale was really a knockout. Yeah, they definitely stuck the landing. It, it's a very interesting genre-hopping type of movie. Like I said, like the opening scene is really just like a, a high-octane crime uh, heist-type movie uh, that has a lot of stakes involved. And it's really entertaining, and it happens really fast. And then it like slows down to... like. Uh, almost a buddy cop movie um and then like just a flat-out comedy of like all the hikers uh have like their own like little character quirks um and it it becomes a comedy and then it very quickly goes back into like high stakes survival type uh stuff it's really interesting yeah the uh, the one death that to this day haunts me is the one where he the guy just backs up and basically falls on his own like it just I mean, everybody else, they get taken out pretty quickly, and you're like, oh, that bull well, fuck. But that one is like this slow, like you're killing yourself. You just don't realize it yet. There's something haunting about that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Clancy Brown is an absolute fucking knockout in this. And what I like was that they took him out of his element, too, because he spends the first third of the movie completely in control. But then when he's out in the woods, he doesn't really know that. And he needs Kirstie Alley's character to get him through it or whatever. And I like the fact that he's thrown off and he doesn't 100% know what's going on. Like when she throws the, the wet leaves or whatever onto the fire, it doesn't realize for a while that's those are smoke signals. Yeah, it's it's interesting that it's almost kind of a it's a it's a parallel story with the, the two main characters who are trapped in the woods or, you know, going through the woods together. And then he is uh, going through the woods with this woman uh, who he needs to survive with his Kirstie Alley, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting that the, the stories kind of parallel and, and show, like, them, one team working together and one that's kind of uh, working against 
the other. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. There's a, there's a sequence, if you're afraid of heights, sweet Jesus like oh, I am, boy. Uh, where they're trying to climb across and it, it breaks or whatever, and you're just, oh my God, can't look, can't look. <laughs> so yeah, it is many different kinds of films, and yet it doesn't feel like it's uh, off with uh, the tone shifts or the, the style shifts. I think it's really delicate film to get right. And I think Roger Spottiswood, who who also came from the world of horror, he did Terror Train. Um, I think he does a very good job with this. Yeah, I think it, it lingers a little too much in the comedy uh, it, at the midpoint. Um, so like for, for me, it was a little too much, but it, it very, for the most part, it really knows when to kind of change genre or to just kind of add something to yeah. keep it interesting. Well, I feel like the, horror, the, the humor is there to kind of comfort you into this weird lull and then you don't expect what's coming next it's like you know, exactly pulling, yeah pulling the puppet strings so you think it's going to go in one direction then it just pulls you in the other like oh wait what was happening so that's it, it's tricky and I, I still think he does a, a good job but you're right there is a dip in the middle but i think it's an intentional dip yeah i think so too it just it, again it was it, it was it was good that it happened that way because i did not expect it to go down the way that yeah, and at the time when this came out, this was a pretty decent hit. I know thirty million means nothing now, but nineteen eighty eight money that was a decent amount. And sadly, that's the one that's been forgotten because Disney does not give a shit. Um, I think I saw that they are finally starting to go into the vaults and bring out some stuff to put out in four K and Blu Ray. So like they did Tombstone announcement yesterday, where they're finally releasing the director's cut. So hopefully they're going to start going into their back catalog and start releasing some of the stuff. Nice. Um, that is it for this episode. Like I said, it's going to be some big ones next time. It's going to be Child's Play, Pumpkinhead. I haven't decided on the third one yet because there's something I have in mind, but I'm not, I've am not. i never seen it before. Uh, and I want to make sure that it's not another Kiss situation <laughs> where I regret it and I have backup plans if that does happen. So uh, well, that is okay, it for whatever. us here. We, we, can, we, can get a, we can get a The Kiss every now and then. Yeah. Well, I guess, but <laughs> that was, I, I, just, I just kept rolling my eyes going, oh, Kersey's going to hate my guts for this one. <laughs> uh, this is a trash cinema one for sure. <laughs> um, so check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and uh, all your podcasts. Host and subscribe, share, and uh, it's all Hit Rewind, and that is it for the night. Have a good one. Good night, folks. Oh my god, did I get to that episode completely without flopping something? Holy shit! It's I, a that, miracle! I was actually gonna ask, uh, uh, but I decided just to let it go. Uh, when you were introducing the movies, you said shoot to kill, and then did you give a subtitle underneath? Oh, yeah, overseas it was called Deadly Pursuit, so some people gotcha. know it as that. So I just, I, I call, I know over in England it's called Deadly Pursuit. Okay, never mind. Then you're good. Yeah, you did it. It was a miracle. I don't know what happened. Maybe my body got taken over by an alien bat demon or whatever the fuck that was. <laughs>